Hi guys, thank you for tuning in today. This is Fantasy MLB Today, which is a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, Fantasy BB, where this show is posted out from every day. And throughout the year, we're going to be bringing you other fantasy content. will be articles, uh, lists of players to add, drop, things like that. We're going to try and branch more out into baseball this year. And we're going to be getting back to our position-by-position breakdowns today. Uh, the last couple of days have been spent on my version of a mock draft, breaking down the top 72 players, the first six rounds of players, based on how I think that they... Uh, will perform throughout the season, so you can go ahead and check those shows out uh, from Monday and from yesterday. Today, we're going to be getting back into the breakdowns, and we're going to pick up where we left off with second base, which is a fairly deep position, fantasy-wise. Um, not one of the deeper positions, but there's a lot of talent across the board, and we're probably going to get through about 15 or so names today. I'm going to try and avoid talking at length about players I've already gone over, so there will be some players uh, with second base eligibility who I maybe just briefly touch on, even if they're excellent players, just because I've already gone over them in previous videos and I don't want to sound too repetitive in terms of some of these guys. So right off the bat, the top second baseman is technically Trey Turner, who is really more of a shortstop. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discuss Trey today because I've talked about him at length in a couple of different videos. He is my clear number one pick this year, if you haven't heard me say that already. So we're not going to be talking about him today. Partly because I've talked about him already and partly because I view him as more of a shortstop. So I think I'll touch on him briefly uh, when I do shortstops on Friday. But we're going to skip him today. We're going to start with Ozzy Albies today. And I think it makes sense um, from the second base standpoint. He is, in terms of true second baseman, the highest value uh, you're going to have in fantasy this year if things go according to plan. Uh, we did touch on him in the mock draft show. Now, I have him projected to be the 16th ranked player this season. He's currently being drafted as the 21st pick off the board. Uh, and depending on how you want to view uh, guys like Trey Turner and Mookie Betts who have second base eligibility, he is the first true second baseman going off the board. And I think that's with good cause. He had 30 home runs last year, 20 steals, and 106 driven in to go along with 103 runs scored himself. So across the board, production, great situation, young talent. Uh, he checks all the boxes for me. I really like him in that second round ADP range, late second round. I think he'll beat it slightly, but I do uh, feel comfortable drafting him in that range. Uh, we'll talk briefly about Marcus Semien, who had, like I said in a couple of different videos, a fantastic year last year. He's being drafted around pick 30. I have him projected to beat pick 30, but not by a heck of a lot. I think the home runs will go down as I've touched on in previous videos and I don't I wouldn't expect Marcus to keep up the production that he had uh, as a Blue Jay last year. It was the best he'll ever be. 
So I, I, I still think he'll have value, but I wouldn't be jumping crazy high. Now, I have him projected to finish 22nd on the season in terms of total value. And I feel even like that might be a touch high. So 30th ADP, I have him projected for 22. Don't don't go crazy jumping up draft boards to draft Marcus Semien. We'll also briefly touch on Whit Merrifield, who I touched on yesterday as well. Uh, ADP similar to Semien, 33 as opposed to 30. You're paying for steals with Merrifield as well as the outfield eligibility. Uh, I, I really like him. I really like Witt, and I think that he'll probably be fine. Although I'm not really jumping uh, to take him in this range. I think he'll be, like I said uh, yesterday, I think he'll probably be around that pick 40 range. And that's if things go well for him with steals and if he's able to you know, keep the batting average up and a couple other things. Uh, I'm not jumping to grab him in this 30 in this 30-odd range. I think if you can get him in the 40s, where I have a, I haven't projected at 38, if you can get him closer to 40 in that range, uh, I feel a little bit more comfortable maybe waiting around on him because he is 33, and I think he's going to be 34 this year. No, he just turned 33, actually. He just turned 33. It's just once you get uh, into your mid-30s, the, the speed tends to decline a little bit. So um, I'll be a little bit worried about drafting him as a steel specialist in the first couple of rounds this year. He's not someone I'm jumping up boards to take, really. Uh, let's move on. Jose Altuve, someone I've also talked about a little bit. I like him. The speed has gone away as he's gotten older. I mean, I say I like him. I'm not a crazy huge fan of Jose Altuve, but I like his fantasy game. He's going to get you home runs. He's going to score a lot of runs, and he'll hit at a pretty high average. Good Houston batting, uh, great Houston lineup, really, even uh, with the loss of Carlos Correa. So shouldn't be too worried about his value there. Uh, we're going to skip over a couple of these guys because I've already talked about them at length. And one of them in particular is uh, a different primary position. So we'll, we'll leave him for today. Let's go to Brandon Lau, the next guy I'll talk about, who also has eligibility in the outfield, but he will be predominantly playing second, I believe in Tampa, 39 homers, 99 driven in last year. Fantastic value for someone going off the board at pick 70. It's really good. It's really good value in that sneaky, uh, efficient Tampa lineup that somehow always manages to be successful, even when there's not uh, a, a ton of star power there. I like him in that draft range. He was the 49th-ranked player last year. So 70-ish seems very reasonable to be drafting him around that range. Uh, not too much time needs to be spent on him. He's not particularly fast. He stole seven bases. Not a particularly high average, 247. You're drafting him for the power potential and for the RBIs, really. I mean, uh, he essentially had a 40 and 100 season last year from the second base slot, which is really valuable, really rare. So he's uh, he's a commodity to be had in draft season. I wouldn't be jumping too, too high because, uh, like I've touched on in previous videos, he's not one of those established household fantasy names yet. Give him another year like he did last year, and maybe we could talk. I feel comfortable drafting him in that 70-ish range, but I wouldn't be jumping too, too high on him 
Um, despite the fact that he has the multiple position eligibility, which does go to overall fantasy value, but I'm not totally sold that we can continue this uh, going forward. It, it has potential to be a blip on the on the radar kind of season for him. He is fairly young at 27. Um, his previous high in home runs was 17. Granted, it was not a full season. This was his first full season, 149 games. So it seems to be a fairly safe draft pick. He looks to be uh, a very good ball player. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't worry about drafting him. I just wouldn't be jumping too high up to draft him either. Let's move on to Cattell Marte, who I talked about a little bit uh, in the mock draft videos. Huge potential for him. I believe he was a uh, third place finisher for the MVP a couple of years back in the National League. I really like his power potential for a littler guy. Not much speed there, but high batting average, good power potential. Not playing on a particularly good team that he will be staying with as he's just recently signed, I think it's a five-year deal. So he'll be on that team for a while. Not a particularly hitter-friendly ballpark. It tends to lean the other way. But uh, he's being drafted around pick 77. And if he can keep up what he did when he was healthy last year over the course of a full season, then he could easily outperform that pick. No problem there. Uh, a couple more guys we've already talked about in Jorge Polanco and Jonathan India, so I'm going to skip over them. If you want to hear about them, then you can listen to the video from yesterday where we talked about uh, rounds three to six of my mock draft. I had them both going in there. I like them both, but uh, I don't want to talk at length too much uh, repetitively in terms of players. So let's move on to someone I haven't actually talked about, but someone who has been pretty exciting, uh, has pretty exciting potential, not just in the fantasy world, but as, as a baseball player in general, is Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins. Great home run speed uh, combo, power speed combo. I mean, if you got his average up, he'd be like a quintessential leadoff hitter. And he could fill that kind of same void as like a Trey Turner with that home run speed. I mean, Trey Turner, it's for an incredibly high batting average. But um, Jazz is really young and he's shown a lot of potential uh, for someone his age. He's 24 years old. Last year was really his first full season, his first season at all. He played 21 games in the lockout, and I keep calling it the lockout year, in the pandemic-shortened season, and he looked pretty terrible in that season. And then last year, he looked really good. So he's being drafted uh, 85th. He's going off the board 85th, and he's going off as about the 10th second baseman taken. And I think in that range, that could be a huge steal he didn't have great total value last year. He was the 190th ranked player. And if there are those of you who are used to listening to uh, basketball fantasy stuff, if you're used to different kinds of fantasy rankings and you're new to fantasy baseball, hearing that a guy is the 190th ranked player is probably not going to inspire you very much. But you also have to remember that in fantasy baseball, there are closer to, in a standard league, there's closer to 200 uh, rosterable players as opposed to an NBA league where there are typically about 110, 120 players where 
you can feel really comfortable and safe rostering them. Now, in baseball, the ro- your fantasy roster and the team's roster are, are so much bigger. They're about double the size. So you're looking at about double the value range. So that's something important to keep in mind. If you see, Even if you see a guy outside of the top 200, they're not necessarily unplayable. You have to look at the stats and how they've been uh, the last couple of weeks, the last month. As the season goes on, you look at those kind of things. But just because a guy is ranked lower than what might look to be an acceptable place, if someone is ranked 185th or something, you're not going to jump at that typically. If you're ha- if you're more accustomed to playing fantasy football, uh, fantasy basketball, where you're looking at 100 guys or so of value, and even less than that in fantasy football, really. So if you're new to fantasy baseball, that's a that's a good thing to keep in mind is there's a lot more value on the board than in most other sports just because there's more players. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. So going back to Jazz, I, sorry for that tangent there, but I think it is important to remember that there is value uh, a lot deeper down in baseball than there are in other sports. Huge power speed potential. Not playing for a great team, but I do like him in the range where he's getting drafted. It's not crazy high. It's somewhere in the 7th, 8th round range. So I I think it's a good... It's a solid pick around that range with a lot more upside than what he had last year, which was 190th. I think he can definitely beat that. I don't think it'll even be much of a discussion, really. We'll touch on Max Muncy briefly. We've already talked about him, so we won't spend long on him. He'll be in the middle of that Dodger lineup with huge power and RBI numbers. First and second base eligibility is kind of a unique uh, combo, so that makes him fairly valuable. He was the 70th ranked player last year. He's going off the board at pick 103 this year. Uh, You're getting a discount for whatever reason, I, I like him there. After pick 100, it's a completely safe pick for me. And the caveat for whenever I say that is barring injury, uh, certain trade situations, but he's not getting traded. He, you know, I mean, injuries, you never know. But I feel fairly confident in uh, Muncie's value. Let's talk about Tommy Edmond, who's kind of not really a second baseman, but we'll go over him here. Um the outfield video will be kind of a deeper video, so we'll talk about him here. He does fall somewhere uh, in that in-between category. He's played quite a bit at second, but he's also played quite a bit in the outfield. But we'll, we'll put him in the second base video here. It does make more sense to do it like that, I think. Uh, another guy who I really like later down drafts, he's going to pick 111, and I haven't really disgust him. I don't even think I, I've talked about him at all, actually, on this show. So 30 stolen bases is really good. It's very Stolen bases have become very hard to come by over the last several years as teams start to... Now, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably just to do with injuries, but there's also uh, advanced stats a lot of the time that show you it's better to just stay at first. Depending on the guy, there's not a lot of crazy speed guys anymore who are willing to run. So a guy like this, 30 steals, he did play a full season, Tommy Edmond. 30 steals is great, though. I mean, regardless of if it took you 162 or 140 or 120 or whatever. uh, He's got a ton of value in terms of that, just that steal category. Now, without 
putting up much other value last year, fantasy-wise, 11 homers, 56 driven in. He was 110th ranked player off of those steals. He's projected, uh, sorry, his average draft pick is about 111, so about where he was last year. In that range and even slipping a little bit further down, totally confident. Uh, let's touch on DJ LeMayhew. I'm going to skip over Jay Cronenworth because we've talked about him already. He's one of those guys who can kind of play all over the diamond, all over the infield. So I've already discussed him in the first base video. We don't need to go over him again. DJ LeMayhew is definitely coming off a down season. He's been known as a high batting average guy for his whole career. He's won a batting title in the American and the National League, and he batted 268 last year. Now, there has been some talk about uh, maybe he won't be a starter on the Yankees because they have patched in the infield with Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falafa, so there may not be room, especially with them bringing back Anthony Rizzo. I still do see him slotting in there uh, in the middle infield somewhere. He can play any of the infield spots, not shortstop really, but first, second, and third, he can plug in there. And I would expect maybe not like a bounce back bounce back season in the true sense of the word, but I think that he'll come back to um, closer to where he has been throughout his career. I know he's been in New York now for a couple of years, but I think there's something that isn't really talked about in just the terms of the pressure that uh, the athletes face over there. And I know some people will say that's BS and he's a professional and all that, but I really think that that can have an impact on guys Especially when there is such a fluctuation between what they have done career-wise. He's a career 300 hitter, and he went down to 268 last year. Granted, it's been a couple of years in New York now, but that's by far the worst season he's had. Going back to uh, some of his earlier days in Colorado, still fairly young at 32. So I see him turning it around um, closer to what he had done before. Just... Uh, a little fact here in the pandemic shortened year of 2020, he had 10 home runs in 50 games. He played in three times as many games last year, 150, and he had the same amount of home runs, 10. So unless he's just lost his power, then that should come up a bit. You'd think 26 in 2019 was the career high, but you figure he should be able to get you around 15 or so. The OPS fell 300 points from 2020 to 2021. So yeah, we're looking to uh, see some more regression towards the middle with uh, DJ. He's going around pick 118, and I think he'll probably continue to fall as people are hesitant to draft him when they're not even totally sure he's going to have a starting job. I think it's fairly safe to say that he will have a starting job. He'll play most of the games if healthy. And I think 118 could turn out to be actually a huge steal of a pick there. Uh, let's talk about Ty France, who's a little bit more of a first baseman, but we didn't get to him in the first base video. So we'll talk about him here. Uh, huge potential for him, not, uh, not in the steals category, but everywhere else he is consistently producing. Uh, he is someone that I picked up in a league last year down the stretch, and he was one of the more consistent players that I had. Uh, 85 runs, 18 home runs, 73 RBIs, and a 291 batting average. Now he's got some better teammates there in Seattle. And I think that 
those numbers should go up. I don't think it's even a question that he should have a better season than he did last year. He's being taken as pick 145, which is a huge discount. He can play first, second, or third, uh, fantasy-wise. So I think there's a lot of value in looking at him there, um, close to round 10, in the round 10 to 12 range. I really like him as a, as a fill-in guy on your infield there. Let's move on. The next guy I'm going to talk about is Gene Segura, who I really like. Uh, he's a second baseman for the Phillies. He's pretty much always been a consistent fantasy producer because of his steals, uh, decent power from the second base slot, and he's a career 285 uh, batting average. So there is value to be had there, especially now I've talked about this a lot. The Phillies are going to be a good team this year, and he'll probably be hitting at the top of that lineup. I mean, they could put him at the bottom to kind of help the lineup turn over a bit, but I could see him probably not leading off, but there's a possibility for him to lead off. He'll be in the first two batting spots, most likely. And he's not going until pick 209. So there's a lot of value to be had uh, in guys like that after pick 200 that play every single day, that can steal bases, hit for a high average. He's a sleeper for me for sure at pick 209. I really like Gene Segura. Uh, someone that I also had last year in a, in a league last year. And I really thought it's hard to find this kind of production on the waiver wire. Uh, the middle infield slots, yeah, you're looking for a guy who can steal a lot of the time. But um, 14 home runs is not like you can't look at every second baseman and expect that. There's not a, Once you get to this point, there's really no second baseman that have this kind of power. You could argue one or two names, really, but it's not even his main asset is his power. It's just another nice thing that he has. 14 home runs in 130 games. He'll take that. Nine steals, he'll take that. He's uh, been a guy who's been a 20-steal-per-season guy throughout his career. So if he can play more than 130 games, you got to figure he's 32 years old, so maybe he starts to slow down a bit. But I like... I like him for in that 10 to 15 steal range if he can stay healthy. Let's talk about Jonathan Scope, who's another guy um, who bounces around a little bit on the diamond. He's more of uh, a second baseman than a first baseman, but he can he can bounce back and forth between them. Uh, historically, more of a second baseman. Last year, he played more first. But we'll put him in the second base video because I didn't get to him in the first base video. Uh, another guy last year who was sneaky value. He was the 111th ranked player. 22 home runs, 84 driven in, and a 278 batting average. The Detroit team, they have they announced yesterday that they think that both of their top prospects, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, they think that they're both going to make the team out of camp. So that could be either really good or kind of bad for the Tigers. You figure offensively that'll be pretty good for them. So batting in that lineup there and go along with Javi Baez as well. They'll have a fairly good uh, infield batting core there. So I don't mind taking him where he's going in pick 215. It's low enough that you're not really risking anything. It's not... Risking nothing, but at 215, there's not really a ton of value left on the board there. So I feel fairly safe with it. 
Uh, let's talk about Adam Frazier, who is one of those names that Seattle added. He's not going to be a massive fantasy value, but he's not going off the board till pick 316. He's someone that you can plug in later on if you're lacking at second base. And he also has outfield eligibility, which can come really in handy throughout the season. He stole 10 bases. He had a 305 batting average. Now, he was traded midway through the season from the Pirates to the Padres last year, and he lost playing time. And he didn't really fit in very well with that team. And his his value did go down for sure once he was traded. So he ended off as the 169th ranked player. I think that there's definitely room to grow on that. He's not a power guy by any means. He had five home runs last year. But batting at the top of the lineup, uh, that's going to be probably not bad there in Seattle. You know, they're looking like they're if they get Jared Kalanick, uh very comfortable in the major leagues maybe now in his second year. We'll see how he develops. Um, Jesse Winker has been added to that lineup. So there is some pop in that lineup. He has a high run potential. He can steal some bases and a high batting average. So after pick 300, pick 316 here, no risk really. I don't see, I don't see much of a risk in that range. Let's talk about Jonathan VR who is a very polarizing fantasy player. Some people love him. Some people hate him. And he has had at least one top 10 fantasy finish in the past, possibly even two. Uh, He's playing for the Cubbies. He has eligibility at second, third, and short. Uh, But that power speed potential later on in the draft here, he's probably going to be at the top of that Cubs lineup. Now, I'm not so tuned into the Cubbies to know for sure. But I think that makes sense that he'll be at the top of that lineup with the kind of speed that he has. And he can give you a 2020 season. That's it's totally possible. He plays a full season, 20 home runs, 20 steals, decent amount of runs. Uh, going off the board, I pick 286. Like there's not a lot of rain, uh, a lot of risk in this range. And there's actually a lot of guys who can give you good value down here. Like it's, it's kind of surprising. Um, after pick 300 to still see value, especially uh, if you're one of those people I mentioned earlier who's kind of new to fantasy baseball, you're used to seeing in the other fantasy sports, the value dries up around pick 100 or so. We have guys going down into the mid 300s here who will give you good value. Um, Abraham Toro, also of the Seattle Mariners, is another guy who has... uh, I don't know that he'll be starting necessarily, but he was really good down the stretch for them last year once he came over from Houston. He wasn't great, but he was good enough to like earn a spot in that lineup. He's not going off the board to pick 366. So there's a lot of guys to take flyers on late here in the draft that are not going to burn you, that are going to either help you or you'll drop them and you'll pick up the hot hot pickup on the waiver wire these are these are safe kind of uh deep value guys in these middle 300 rounds that you should feel comfortable taking at the end of your drafts assuming you're in a league that drafts into the mid 300s and most of them do uh, most leagues have a roster that's typically about 22 players and if you're in a standard uh let's call it a 14 team league then you're drafting into um, the early 300s, about 310 picks. So a flyer on one of these guys at the end of your draft 
really can make a lot of sense in terms of plugging in a hole, especially for these guys that have very high steal numbers, like a Jonathan VR. Uh, they make a lot of sense going really late in drafts. Let's touch on one more guy for today. We won't go as long as we did yesterday. We'll talk about Joey Wendell, who was kind of hit or miss for value last year, but I do like his situation in Miami. He will be playing every day, you'd imagine. He didn't play every day for Tampa. There were stretches where he did based on injuries, but he was good enough that he probably should have a, an everyday role on a team. Now he's going off the board at pick 377. No one's drafting him. He's an afterthought. He's rostered currently at 16% of leagues. And he has the potential to give you 20 home runs and like 15 steals. That's totally doable for him as your last draft pick. He's going to be starting, granted not on a great team. But last year on Tampa, when he was batting, he was typically lower in that order. He had 73 runs, 11 homers, 54 driven in. And he stole eight bases. So he's giving you that touch of value across the board. Not crazy value, but then again, you're using like one of your last draft picks. Probably your last draft pick will be used on him if you're going to take him at all. So using, uh, again, like a 20th plus round pick after round 20, a lot of those guys are going to be sent back to the waiver wire anyway, and you're going to take flyers. So if you're going to take a flyer, there's a lot of high upside here at second base throughout um I mean, throughout the entire position, but especially here, there's really some sneaky plays after pick 200 that you should really keep your eye on. In particular, I'm looking at Jonathan VR there in that range and Joey Wendell, just because there is crazy upside for a post 200, and in Wendell's uh, case, post 350 draft pick. So definitely keep your eyes open uh, in the second base position as you go down your draft board. It's similar to first in that, I mean, not as deep as first, definitely not as deep as first, but there is value down the board and there's still going to be guys who are the 40th plus ranked second baseman who are giving you value. So don't shy away from waiting a little bit on second base. There is value there still. There's a lot of guys with multiple position eligibility most of the guys we talked about today can play at multiple positions. There's only a, a couple of guys, Albies, Altuve. Um, yeah, just Albies and Altuve that we talked about. And Gene Segura, Gene Segura are the only guys who can just play second. Everybody else has uh, multiple eligibility, multiple positions. And that's something that I really strive for when building a team is to have versatility position-wise for when guys have off days, guys get injured whatever you like to have uh guys that you can slot in there who you don't necessarily have to pick up you can look at your bench and slot them in there because they're so versatile so we're going to pretty much wrap the show up there for today uh appreciate you guys tuning in again as we get you ready for the season i believe we are eight days away into uh from the season starting so we are going to be hitting you with a couple of more positional breakdowns. We have third base, shortstop, the outfield. We're going to go starting pitchers, and we're going to go relief pitchers. So we'll have a day or two before the season starts to uh, – that's going to pretty much take us until the season starts, but we'll have uh, the day before the season to go through players that we're looking at um, for opening day, uh, 
most people, I mean, there will be some people who are streaming come opening day because they've drafted somebody they don't like. So we'll talk about a couple of people to stream for opening day, mostly starting pitchers. Uh, but there might be some guys who are surprise uh, opening day lineup guys that you might want to take a flyer on. Maybe you drafted somebody who's injured or who's been sent down to the minors or who it's clear that they're not going to have a starting role. There might be some ads in the in the next week or so that we'll talk about. There will be some ads in the next week or so that we'll talk about uh, in the show or two before the regular season starts. So I really appreciate all you guys tuning in again today. We will be back here tomorrow with our shortstop show. Uh, it will be coming to you a little bit later in the day. I'm a little bit tied up in the morning tomorrow, so it'll be coming to you a little bit later. It'll be early afternoon for you West Coast guys and mid-afternoon for those of you like me who are in the Eastern time zone. Really appreciate you guys continuing to tune in this week as the downloads and the Twitter followers go up. We'll just remind you of the handles once again. My name is Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico 99 So that's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can go ahead and follow our show page, which is at Ethos Fantasy BB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB, where this show will be posted from throughout the season, as well as other fantasy-related content. I hope you guys have a fantastic Wednesday, and I hope to see you all tomorrow. Take care, guys.